Which of these U.S. presidents appeared on the television series Laugh-In? Lyndon Johnson, Richard Nixon, Jimmy Carter, Gerald Ford. Um, <laughs> I'd like to call my parents right now. Sure. Use my lifeline, call my parents. What are their names? Uh, um, my father. I'll talk to my father. Uh, hi, Dad. Hi. Uh, I don't really need your help. I just wanted to let you know that I'm going to win the million dollars. Uh, because the U.S. president appeared on Laughing is Richard Nixon. That's my final answer. Well, my gosh. What can I say except, Debbie, you're going to Paris, and so this is the final answer heard all around the world. He's won a million dollars. What the hell is this? Hey, Stone on Air. If you are not listening to Brian Stone, who has been a fixture in Chattanooga for years, you better be, or I'm going to ask you personally why you're not. I'm so happy I could die. They're like, Brian! Yeah, <laughs> Brian! Yes, my name is Brian! Finally, it's cool to be a Chattanoogan. Finally, it's cool to embrace this city. When some of us have been saying this for 25 years... Mic drop. Turn off the podcast. Stone on air. Yeah, just kill me now. Welcome in, everybody, to the supposedly for-profit venture known as the Stone on Air podcast, available in weekly installments, generally speaking, every Wednesday. How are you? I am doing quite well. I was first not wanting to record tonight because I wanted to watch the Braves Tampa Bay game and then the Braves bleeped to the bed and it's now five to one in the fourth inning and so I said okay well no reason to sit around and watch this if they come back and win great we'll find out about it later if they don't I certainly don't want to waste any more time with this and I know I sound very contradictory and I sound uh, almost hypocritical to a certain degree when I would go on and on about just don't play the damn season I don't even care I don't care don't even play it and um, well I mean I think most people thought once they start playing you're going to be happy to watch baseball dude that's your sport and that's exactly what has happened it's been a joy to sit down and watch baseball and after just a you know a day or two of trying to get used to the no crowd thing it's really not that it's not that difficult. I was wrong to think it was going to be terribly boring. In the end of the day, baseball is kind of a boring sport anyway, and it's just my team I want to watch. I'm not going to sit down and watch Sunday night baseball, no matter if there's sixty thousand seats uh, people in the seats or zero people. But um, anyway, happy to have some baseball back. Hopefully, it lasts for a little while. On the front end, there, yes, Regis Philbin died over the weekend, just shy of his 89th birthday. I was never a big fan of anything he did. Because it was always that, you know, mid-morning, early-morning TV talk show stuff. and But I did think he was funny at times. And I thought the people who did impersonations of him, uh, I think Jimmy Fallon did a pretty good one. Daryl Hammond did an incredible one um, from Saturday Live. Several others did as well. I thought the impressions of him were so hilarious. And I didn't realize how deep and long his television career went and I uh, really did appreciate uh, this from Tony Kornheiser and Mike Wilbon at the end of Pardon the Interruption just on Monday. Under melancholy trails to Regis Philbin, Regis died over the weekend a month shy of his 89th birthday. He lived a glorious life in television. He was on TV more than anybody ever. He started in the 1960s, getting a break when he was the second banana to Joey Bishop on a late night talk show. That show didn't last, but Regis did. If he did not invent morning TV talk, he perfected it. His shows with Kathy Lee Gifford and Kelly Ripa were huge hits. People looked at Regis as a kind of everyman who found himself in a glamorous situation and struggled to keep his feet on the ground. In the early 2000s, he was picked to host Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, which became a runaway hit. Everyone saw how he asked, is this your final answer? As if he was rooting for the answer to be right. In a word, Regis Philbin was relatable. And on a personal note, he loved this show and we loved him. He watched us all the time, talked about PTI on his own show. Yeah, and he didn't just watch us. I mean, he gave us advice at the very beginning, as Tony knows. He was encouraging, he was supporting. Um, the four lions of television who really helped launch this show, Maury Povich, Larry King, Regis Philbin, and Bryant Gumbel. Did I get that right, Tony? And Regis was Absolutely there right. for us all the time. We miss him. And I thought that was really interesting to hear that he was one of the uh, inspirations, the uh, influencers 
to the, uh, the to the structure of the Pardon the Interruption television show on ESPN. And I loved Millionaire, but of course everybody loved Millionaire. It was a, uh, a different kind of game show. Now, like, a million bucks, who cares, right? But uh, that was a lot of fun in the early portion of the century. Let's see a couple other things I jotted down to myself. Uh, change shortage. Have y'all seen this? Apparently there's there's shortage in 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 coins, quarters and dimes and nickels and pennies. And many places are having you pay in, in exact change or by card. I don't know how what percentage we're at of where people don't spend cash. I'd say it's quite a large number that generally doesn't spend cash at all. I don't like the idea of a factless factless cashless, excuse me, society. I don't mind a cash less, uh, like less amount of it. Uh, but I don't want it eliminated. But why are we running out of coins? And also, too, why are we still making so many damn coins? Why can't we just round this shit up, right? 99 cents is a dollar. Stop. <laughs> 6 is 6 bucks. Stop. We get it. It was originally put together as a way to, uh, you know, to, to kind of trick your brain into thinking, well, it's less than $6. All right? Nobody operates like that anymore. If you notice, most of the time you go to nicer restaurants, it just says five. Like next to the cocktail drink, well, it's not going to be five bucks, 15. You know, it doesn't say fourteen forty nine. It's It's just one five. All right? We don't need to play around with change. We're not children. I don't know why we make so many pennies. But if nothing else, get rid of the damn penny. Uh, so I don't really understand why uh, that's an issue, but apparently it is. Uh, let's see. The um, Nick Lutzko has done it again on the back end of this segment. I will talk about it. I don't. I wish I had him on to talk about it more specifically, but um, I'll get to that here in just a few. And I was going to make a bunch of fun of this that I saw until I realized that it was kind of a woman empowerment thing, but there's some kind of selfie challenge going around. And I guess it's just for women to post a black and white picture themselves and then nominate other people to do it. It's basically just telling your friends, hey, you probably wanted to post a selfie anyway. So now I'm just going to give you an excuse to do it by, quote unquote, nominating you. And then you put in, you know, hashtag challenge accepted. I, I think people are just bored. I don't really understand how exactly this is an empowerment thing, but I won't uh, I won't hate on it like I was originally planning on and what else oh i ran into another issue where somebody i've known off and on for years not good friends by any stretch strong acquaintances ignored me the other day bartender not gonna call her out or where the place is it's just annoying the where we have put what rude is and what we how we establish what we consider rude in this country is out of damn control it's out of control Listen, especially if you're a bartender, I'm not asking you to come over here and talk to me about the weather. You know what I want to talk about the weather, but don't act like you don't know who I am. Stop. Plus, you're a damn bartender. And I just, I was like, how dare this person do this? I actually like this person. And I will only give you so many times to be my friend, right? Like, I'm, I'm only going to meet you a couple of times. I don't even necessarily mean friend. I just mean acqu even acquaintance. But I'll, I'll give you a time. I'll give you a couple passes, at least two if I like you, maybe three if I like you a lot. But I mean, the Chip Baker who ran the Friends of the Festival, I've met him twice in the same day, <laughs> literally, and I've met him probably ten times. I think he finally got to know who I was after a while because of how vocal I was. But it still took so long because it's just such an asshole attitude. Be observant. I'm not asking you to come over here and talk to me, but a little like, not, hey, what's up? How's it going, buddy? How's it going, bro? Good to see you again. All right, see you later. That is rude as hell. And now you've made the whole situation awkward. You know exactly who I am. Stop it. It's just so backwards. If you don't talk, if you mind your business and you don't small talk someone to death, you're being rude in you know societal norms. And if you're over there, oh, so how is your mommy? How was the holidays? Shut up. Stop. Stop. All right. All right, let's see. Before I get to the coolest thing and the worst idea, in the final segment of the show, I'm going to have what might be another kind of feature I add, uh, maybe, I don't know, I just got to think about it the other day, called uh, He's Not Wrong But, maybe something along those lines. But uh, Ted Cruz said something the other day that I thought to myself, I hate this guy, right? But he's not wrong, but... And I'll make a small segment out of that on the way out the door in the final segment. In the second middle segment, I just finally listened to the new Drive-By Truckers uh, record called uh, Blah, Blah, Blah. 
Now I'm blanking. Doesn't matter. One that came out in January. For some reason, it took me this long to get to it. And I really enjoyed it. I thought uh, that I, from the first single from it, which I didn't like all that much, I liked it a lot. And then a few minutes after that, I was watching some Trey Crowder videos. One of the guys I've played on the show here, the liberal redneck, I think is what he calls himself. I played him and some of his writing buddies and other types to do comedy like that around the country. I did that a few weeks ago. Well, he does these little video vignette kind of things. And he did one about the South and uh, being proud of the South, even though there's so much to not be proud of. And he had a guest on. It was Patterson uh, Hood from the Drive-By Truckers. And I thought, well, hell, no reason why not to make a segment out of this. So that will be the middle segment of the show. So let's see as my phone goes dark here. And I don't feel like hitting stop, so I'm going to pull it up there. We will start with today's coolest thing what is it uh oh yeah it's uh, it's this ridiculous but oddly cool facebook probably all the tiktoks all of them but i saw it on facebook it's just some guy dressed up in the traditional sasquatch bigfoot kind of uh, uh get up with usually oakley blades shades on sometimes a stupid looking hat and he's just doing music stuff, playing keyboards, usually playing the the uh, saxophone or some kind of horn. And it's spelled S-A-X. Oh, so I guess it's probably always a saxophone. Sax Squatch. And uh, I just thought this was uh, pretty damn cool. as simple as it is and they're just little minute minute and a half videos he's either in the woods or on a on a set that is supposed that looks like he's in the woods and that's all it is <laughs> i don't know where people come up with this stuff i don't know how they monetize it but it does make at least facebook at times more tolerable and today's worst idea no context here didn't spend any amount of time caring who any of these people were it's just some person who is i don't know if it's tiktok or twitter probably twitter where i found it who is an active campaigner supporter for joe biden and this was the email uh, or excuse me the voicemail message that was left you are a disgusting fucking twitter cunt and if i lived anywhere near you i would kick your disgusting twitter cunt ass you make me sick get the fuck out of the USA, bitch. Why do people do this stuff? What is wrong with people? That is today's worst idea. Now, I got around to this idea to uh, finish out the segment here too late before I was able to track down Nick Letzko and get him on the air or on the phone on the Stone on Air Newsmaker line and haven't talked to Nick in a while. Nick and Letitia Wolf are kind of my uh, regular go-tos to talk about what they're doing creatively and just their thoughts on the state of uh, whatever the uh, the topic of that day might be. And I haven't had uh, either of them on in a little while, so I'll need to catch up with Nick here soon. But he made another video that was uh, not in the millions viral, like a lot of the Trump uh, stuff, the emo Trump, and then all the other things he's done for Super Deluxe and College Humor. And just it might be might be the most creative, brilliant mind this city's ever seen. I don't, that's not an over-exaggeration. And I know that I'd have to sit down and think about it before I just said that for matter of fact, but he just very well might be. And so he puts together some things that just you just got to have the context to understand what they are. I know him well enough, not from necessarily as my friend, but just as his style, as a consumer of his product. I know it well enough that I don't have to get it to understand how funny and how creatively genius it is. And this is one of those situations because I still can't quite explain what happened. But it started early on, or excuse me, at the end of last year, he made a little uh, trailer, which he does a lot of little trailers for Netflix. And it was for The Irishman. And it was, a, it was a joke 
that he that he was mad that the Irish men, the movie, right, and that the Scorsese movie is three and a half hours long, didn't use his theme song or something like that. I don't know. I don't know where it came from. I never really even got the joke and never barely followed it. Well, at some point this year, what's her name? Why am I all said Chrissy Chrissy Teigen? I guess she's a, a model. I wouldn't know Chrissy Teigen if she walked in the door right now as I'm recording this podcast and said, "Hey." I'm Chrissy Teigen. I'd say, the hell are you doing in my house? I'm in the middle of recording. Can you please leave? All right. So I don't know who this person is, but she's very, very famous. And she started following him on Twitter. Now, there are a lot of bots and a lot of engines you can go put your information in and have Twitter, these, these outside uh, tracking algorithm company software people that can go in and, and start following and tracking people for you and then that in turn creates your user base to be bigger it's all fraudulent but everybody does it who's a at least a, in the celebrity aspect because the more followers you have the better it looks for you plenty of just random schmoes do it as well i've dabbled in it once and realized it's just totally useless it's pointless it doesn't do anything for you and i guarantee you that's how she ended up following nick it probably was some kind of entertainment algorithm that that uh, grabbed that follow and then sometimes those things fall off because they just do i can't explain it well apparently he found out that or noticed that she had stopped following him and he made a song about it and it incorporates the thing about the uh the movie that i was just talking about the irishman that he calls the irish man and it's just so giving you as much backstory as i can we're gonna play this twice because it's it's about barely over a minute and a half I've listened to this, I guarantee you, at least 30 times, but I bet it's closer to 40 and maybe even more. This is I don't, The song doesn't even have a name. I just have it in here as Let's Go New Song on the Stone on Air podcast. It's been a hard year. Don't need to list the reasons why. But I can sincerely say the greatest moment of my life was when Chrissy Teigen followed me on Twitter. cherish the time when you followed my page and uh if you choose not to follow me back i forgive you and uh wish you the best <laughs> so damn funny the video makes it better for sure you don't need it but it certainly helps and it's, it's a low budget thing didn't put a lot of in into it but just to give it a little bit more story definitely go watch it if you haven't seen it yet I, he did this little stretch where he was he's doing more characters recently and, and dip, not non-musical things just a little bit and he did this crazy at his shirt off sweating coughing deep state uh coronavirus covid conspiracy theory video that was if, if you didn't know who he was you would totally be like the f's up with this guy this is nuts but that was part of the joke and he did a couple of those so he was kind of using that as like oh she must have seen my crazy stuff that's why she stopped following me. That's kind of the way that the uh, the narrative of the song goes. I don't believe for a second that's what happened. I don't think that she she ever saw anything that he ever did. It was just so brilliantly, creatively put together by Nick, and it caught so much attention. Um, all the little aggregate internet gatherings grabbed it, threw it out there, 
got five, six, seven, maybe upwards of 10,000 likes and, re, uh, and, and retweets. And uh, she ended up tweeting at him, Chrissy Teigen, and saying, I'm sorry, I never knew I was following this, and I never knew that I stopped following, but uh, I, I, I don't remember how it was worded. But So she is now following him again. That is the official update. But you got to listen to this song over and over and over again. We'll do it on the way out here. I'll talk over it a little bit. We'll talk about the, the South coming up next. Puts up a picture of him and his wife. It says the greatest day of my life. Puts when she followed him. The dumbest shit imaginable. I've promised to be normal. I swear I'm not deranged. I'm asking to be cordial. I'm telling you I've changed. You got me on my hands and knees. Promise I can make you laugh again. Like classics, like and the Irish content you crave. I'll post the Irish man theme song every day. I just wanted to say I'll always cherish the time when you followed my page and uh, if you choose not to follow me back I forgive you and uh, wish you the best Stone on Air will be right back Oh darling, what juicy gossip I have for our listeners StoneOnAir.com A political progressive in small town Tennessee but his ability to straddle these two conflicting worlds has made him a viral sensation during this contentious election. Here's ABC's David Wright in our election countdown series. What's up, y'all? Liberal redneck here. We gonna do it again. Fired up, son. Right wingers are not about to start letting some trivial like facts get in the way of how they feel about stuff. That's Trey Crowder, better known as the liberal redneck. YouTube phenomenon. I didn't think there was such a thing as a liberal redneck. I get that all the time on the internet and in person. People be like, yeah, you're like a unicorn. Trey Crowder insists those tired cliches don't even begin to describe the South he knows. And that makes his YouTube channel more than just a novelty act. What does it mean to be a liberal redneck? You just embrace uh, the good parts about being from the South, which is just having a good time, you know, raising hell, football, all that stuff, but you're not uh, a hateful, awful, inbred hick tribe about person. I'm a poor, white trash redneck from the middle of nowhere in Tennessee. I am also a well-educated, well-traveled, godless liberal. All American but Chinese man. This song is so good. Folks working hard for streaming. Let it play for me. It's called 21st Century USA. 21st Century USA. By Patterson Hood and the Drive My Truck. We might see you pass. We got coal and methane gas. We got jobs where the work is hard and stores to max out your credit cards In a town that ain't nowhere near Just like every town everywhere I don't know it well enough, so I don't Folks know where the best parts are hard for shrinking pay The whole thing's a good part, really Welcome back in. This segment might not be for everybody.
I don't have the lyrics in front of me. They say a savior will become, will be on his way to save the day. You'll know by the neon lights and the opulence that it maintains. So good. All right, so as I mentioned, I just started listening to this album finally this week and then ran into this video with Trey Crowder, the liberal redneck, and figured I would have a fun segment with audio and uh, just because. Why the hell not? Uh, it's, it's simple, it's easy, and it's not polarizing. At least it shouldn't be anyway. Uh, first of all, though, this is more for Truckers fans. I pulled this audio real quick because when I heard that song, I thought, after I listened to it a couple times, it's just a small portion right at the beginning. I was like, I sure as hell rec- recognize that. It's a, that's another trucker's riff. It took me a second to figure out what it is. So first of all, I'm going to play the very beginning of that song again just for a minute. Check this out. Listen closely to the very beginning. The parking lot okay. To somebody not paying attention, or somebody who certainly doesn't know or care, that's just another little riff to the beginning of a song. But it's more than that. After I kept hearing, I was like, that is the same riff from something else. So I will turn that one down, and then I'll play the very beginning of it again, just that that little tiny intro again. Listen very closely. That's where my head went next. And I was like, what is that? What is that? Holy bleep, I know what that is. Kind of, anyway. It's a title track from the classic record, the concept album from the early 2000s, Decoration Day. Decoration Day. When Isbel was with him. And so I don't know if that was done. Surely it wasn't done on accident. They're smart guys. I'm wondering if Oasis used to do this stuff a lot. They would kind of throw in little uh, almost teases of their other songs. It wasn't because they didn't know they were doing it. I think that was a case of this. One more time. I think it was somewhat of an homage to their old buddy, Jason Isbell. I can't know that, of course, but that's my guess. So the Southern thing, I've talked about it uh, times uh, off and on, just the overall generalized, the Southern way of life. There's a lot of it to be, uh, to, that's very endearing, and there's a lot of it that's disgustingly awful. And I don't need to get into the details of that. We all pretty much understand what a lot of those things are. And I've always been pretty proud to be a Southerner. I was born in Southern California, Moved here in 1986, somewhere between 1986 and 1988, roughly in there, we were uh, we ended up in North Georgia, technically on State Line Road, and I remember it's very very vague memories because I was only six to eight years old, and I don't think memories really start to form that you can vividly remember until about seven or eight years old. Whole another segment segment for another day, but I remember there was this guy on the street or li- who what lived on the road. And he would regularly go to the battlefields and all in the, in the areas of North Georgia. He probably had a, a, a metal detector or some kind of locating device. I, I'm not sure. But he would regularly he would show me his collections of bullets he would find and uh, arrowheads that he would find that were from, uh, from the obvious places they came from however long ago. Now, keep in mind, that was 35, 34 years ago meaning it was only about 120 years after the Civil War. So at this point, that was still maybe something that would be somewhat regular to stumble upon. And I don't know, some of that stuff he had he might have found from 50 years before that, maybe inherited. I don't know. But I remember seeing these things thinking, wow, you can just go out in the yard and find these things? Well, of course, that's not what you do. But as a child, I was pretty fascinated with uh, all things history. It's the only subject matter that ever intrigued me and it intrigued me immediately i aced just just scorched earth grades in all history classes growing up because it wasn't work it wasn't school it was entertaining to me and i enjoyed it from the earliest days i can possibly remember so everything that comes along with the civil war history the south southern things southern products southern traditions i really really enjoyed and then I started to get into a lot of Southern rock music, and uh, just it was easy to to be 
ignorant to how awful things used to be and how we've whitewashed history. And especially nowadays where we're at with things, it's opened my eyes more to pay more attention to things that I basically already knew, but I didn't spend as much time uh, on in my past. So I watched this little video that Trey does. He does a lot of these um, and they're always really good. And they're pretty much all based on Southern culture. And you can get lost in these things. They're only about three to four minutes each, maybe five minutes at the most. So they're quick watch, a lot of information. It is not necessarily set to be hilarious. Ha ha. It's just a comedic kind of uh, approach to telling actual historical stories, the same kind of thing that the drive-by truckers do from a musical standpoint. They're telling historical, factual stories in Southern rock music, which is generally geared for and designed for the Confederate flag-waving types. So we'll start off here. This is Trey just starting off the beginning of, uh, of this video. Trey is proud to be from the South. This might be the most controversial thing I've said in my entire career. I'm proud to be from the South. How can I, a supposedly enlightened liberal, be proud to be from the land of slavery and segregation? Well, I'd like to say it's because we're also the home of Aretha Franklin and my Meemaw's canned tomatoes. That is, I embrace the good stuff and reject the bad. Just like people who love the Godfather series pretend the third one doesn't exist, plenty of Southerners embrace Dolly Parton and Chitlins while condemning the plantations and Jim Crow. At least, that's what I'd like to say. The reality is a lot more complicated. He goes on to talk about uh, what the contradictory nature uh, of Southerners are like and how prevalent that it is. The great irony of the South is that most of the stuff that makes us proud is the product of the stuff we're ashamed of. Blues music, created in the South, on slave plantations. The Civil Rights Movement, born in the South, to fight our racist institutions. So what does a Southerner do? Embrace my heritage and get saddled by all the baggage that comes along with it? Or condemn it, which means forsaking the people and places that raised me. That's the biggest thing about trying to defend the South is making sure you don't come across as a straight up apologist or whatever. And he goes on to a different video series he has of, of all the, the cooking traditions, which has been something I really knew very little about that I've uh, read about a lot here recently as he was just talking about blues music and the things that were created in, amongst the slave plantations. Southern cooking is primarily designed completely by, if not slave labor, the descendants of slave labor and Jim Crow laws and segregation. Bubba Gump, you know, Bubba's mama, mama before and mama before made jambalaya. That, that was designed by African-Americans during segregation and post and reconstruction. Southern barbecue, the idea of frying chicken, all these things that white people love that somehow turn into black stereotypes that we it's not just African-American love these food in the South. All of us love this food in the South. And it was primarily formulated, designed and created by African-Americans. Sorry, I didn't even plan on going down that road, but he has a great feature on that that maybe I'll do some more on one of these days. And this next one, my guy Patterson Hood from the Drive-By Truckers shows up. I'm far from alone in this conflict. In fact, there's an extensive canon of literature, art, and music that address the specific challenge of being a proud Southerner. The song, The Southern Thing, on our Southern Rock Opera album was sort of my attempt to illustrate the fact that if you were to ask 10 different Southerners what it means to be Southern, you'd get 10 very different answers, often answers that completely contradict each other, sometimes even from the same person. And so I was trying to write a song that would articulate that point of view by often kind of having different lines contradict each other within the framework of that song. And we'll come back to the uh, the audio from Trey's show here in just a minute. First of all, I want to talk about the song Southern Thing. And I wasn't very familiar with the song. I recognized the riff, and I knew they had a song called Southern Thing. But I just didn't remember it that well, and I wondered why. Well, there's a very specific reason as to why. The damn shame about Southern Thing is that the truckers don't really play it live anymore. Since even though the song specifically condemns slavery, it nevertheless inspired fans to break out the rebel flag at their shows. And I was like, wow, they totally did not get what this song is saying at all. They hear the word flag and go, woo, flag, I got one of them, you know. And it's like, this is not accepted. So we basically quit playing the song. And we, we only rarely play it. 
you know, it, it probably gets played four times a year. So that is why I don't know the song Southern Thing all that much, because I didn't start getting into the band uh, Drive-By Truckers until around 2001 was the first time that I saw them, and 2004 was when I officially became a full-time fan with the Dirty South record, and I didn't go back and listen to everything that intently, and they don't play this song live. So when I'm at the shows, which is, you know, if they play within 150 miles of Chattanooga, I'm generally there. I've probably never heard the song live before. Proud of the glory, stare down the shame. The duality of the Southern thing. My great-granddad had a hole in his side. He used to tell the story to the family at Christmas night. Got shot at Shiloh, thought he'd die alone from a Yankee bullet less than 30 miles from his home. Ain't no plantations in my family tree. Did not believe in slavery. Thought that all men should be free. But who are all these soldiers marching through my land? His bride could hear the canyon cannons, and she worried about her man. I heard the story as it passed down about guts and glory and rebel stands. Four generations, a whole lot has changed. Robert E. Lee... Martin Luther King, we've come a long way, rising from the flame. Stay out of the way of the Southern thing. See, they, they, they write songs that are too complex for simple minds. And most of their fan base are simpleton, dullard minds. And so, yeah, he saw they were bringing the, the rebel flag and, being, and, and, and singing this as almost like a battle cry for the... Uh, for the the shamefulness of the past of the South, and they stopped playing it. And um, it's it's great music. It's a great band, and uh, that that explains that. It's like, how do I not know that song? Final one here from Trey. Let's see. Okay, so they go just skip all this because I don't want to bore what I believe. If you like the truckers, you already know all this. They, they tell the story of uh, Ronnie and Neil and uh, Sweet Home Alabama and Neil Young's Alabama and Southern Man and all that. All right, and then they talk about the plane crash and they were going to record Powder Finger together. If you don't know that story, it's a fun one. Go check it out. But it takes too long to tell, and I've told it before, and it's just it's a very well-known story. Uh, this is just the final thoughts on uh, Trey Crowder's uh, video blog, I guess you call it. I don't know. However, I'd like to think if he were still alive, they could write a tune that pointed out that A, being proud of the South does not make you a mouth-breathing bigot, and B, you can and should criticize the South without throwing the entire region in the dumpster. The truth is, we like it when things are clean. There's good and evil. There's heroes and villains. When things get too messy, we scrub our memories or our views just a little to make our mind okay with things. But that's impossible to do with the South. There's too much history, too much horror, and to be totally honest, too much awesome. And to tell you the truth, I'd rather have a messy picture that's real than some altered reality. And that's why I continue to love the South, blemishes and all. So one last thing here, and we'll wrap up the segment and get on to how Ted Cruz is not wrong. It almost cringes me to say that. I'm going to go back to the line from the song. It said, uh, ain't no plantations in my family tree. Did not believe in slavery. Thought that all men should be free. Quote, but who are these soldiers marching through my land? His bride could hear the cannons, and she worried about her man. Meaning, a lot of people in the South didn't weren't fighting to hold on to the concept of slavery. A lot of the people in the South were just fighting to save their land. This was a time where mass communication was not a thing. A regular newspaper and access to it, it, it did exist, but it wasn't on a mass scale. And the South is poor now. The South was poor 100 years ago. The South was poor 200 years ago. And there's just a lot of people who don't even necessarily know what they're fighting for. I like that line, quote, but who are these soldiers marching through my land? And so it wasn't ex just exactly below the Mason-Dixon line that everybody below that was fighting to keep slaves and everybody above that was fighting against it. And that's how whitewashed history gets, that when you just simplify a very complex historical situation, it, that's what it, it, it feels like, pe the way people uh, portray that. And there was countless amounts of people in the South 
that didn't know anything because education was so primitive at that time. Uh, the, the, the Civil War, I looked this up because I wasn't sure how much access to newspapers and communication did people have back then. And the Civil War was kind of the renaissance of the modern day newspaper. In the 1850s, American newspapers employed a few paid correspondents and, and writers. But it was during the Civil War that newspaper reporting dramatically came of age. And it goes on to tell a, a long, lengthy story about uh, the history of, of that time frame. Of course, they're all dealing with telegraphs for the most part to get quick information and, uh, you know, and, and, and trains and the, and the rail lines, which were being destroyed by, by armies of both sides of the North and the South. If reporting for the Northern newspapers was a logistical struggle, it was a nightmare for the South. The telegraph and rail connections were sparse and unreliable. Furthermore, Southern newspapers were cut off from the Associated Press, the leading news-sharing cooperative in, uh, based in New York, which has, some people still would consider the Associated Press still that high of a prestige of a news-gathering and sharing organization. Some might, some might not. I don't know. That's all kind of neither here nor there, but it just got me thinking. Not everybody fighting in these wars was fighting because of the ideological thoughts. It was, you're invading where I live, right? And I just so happen to live in Georgia or Tennessee or Virginia or Ohio or New York. I don't know if Ohio was a state yet. Probably. I don't know. So fascinating stuff. Uh, fun segment, and it's going long. I'm going to wrap it up now. Probably go short on this next one because I don't want to talk about Ted Cruz any longer than I have to. And he's not wrong but, coming up next. Stone on air. We'll be right back. Oh, darling, what juicy gossip I have for our listeners. Stoneonair.com. I'm going to do something I haven't done for the entire campaign. For those of y'all who have traveled with me all across the country, I'm going to tell you what I really think of Donald Trump. This man is a pathological liar. He doesn't know the difference between truth and lies. He lies practically every word that comes out of his mouth in a pattern that I think is straight out of a psychology textbook. His response is to accuse everybody else of lying. And it's simply a mindless yell. Whatever he does, he accuses everyone else of doing. The man cannot tell the truth, but he combines it with being a narcissist. A narcissist at a level I don't think this country's ever seen. And I say pathological because I actually think Donald, if you hooked him up to a lie detector test, he could say one thing in the morning, one thing at noon, and one thing in the evening, all contradictory, and he passed the lie detector test each time. Whatever lie he's telling, at that minute, he believes it. You want to know why? One of the best songs ever. It's such an aggressive song, but it's so deep in meaning if you really analyze it. It's not just trying to be cute and funny and then aggressive. I mean, it is that, but that's not the only reason for the song. I'll hide behind a smile in understanding eyes. And I'll tell you things you already know. So you can say, I really identify with you so much. And I'll tell you things that you already know. So you can say, I really identify with you. It's so a story much. of a con man, of a manipulator, of a narcissistic, power hungry person. I'll come to you like an affliction. But I'll leave you like an addiction. You'll never forget me. I was too young to understand that you back when it came out in what, 95? I just thought it was a rockin' ass song, bro. <laughs> I'm a liar, yeah. But it's a so truthfully deep song about how disgustingly awful people actually enjoy the manipulation and the the harm that deception creates. People thrive off of it, crave it, need it. Maybe it's something inside. And of course, that was Ted Cruz from 2016. At that moment, I believe being very honest. But now we're to the point in the world where it doesn't matter what you said five minutes ago. You can say something different now. And it's infuriating.
Ha ha, sucker, sucker. I'll lie again and again, and I'll keep lying. I promise. So, uh, looked for a reason to play that song because I like it so much and because it fits so much into this setting. Ted Cruz is a liar. Donald Trump is a damn liar. Most everybody is a liar. We have created a culture in America where lying is okay, or at least it's acceptable. I've done this before. I think it was radio a long time ago. One of my commercials I hate so, so bad. I hate it since the minute I saw it because by the time I finally got to an adult age where my brain could function on its own, lying drove me insane. People who are deceiving me, you can't, you almost can't, you come over and kick me in the nuts. You know, spray paint my car. Like, I'd, those are worse than, than, than knowingly and, uh, and, and willingly deceiving me. And it goes all the way back from your girlfriends and your best friends. And, and, and it just I started to build such a resentment for it. And it was almost like on Warpath for the rest of my life, I'm going to be screaming for authenticity. And the commercial is, I don't remember if it's a car company, probably is. It doesn't really matter what it's for. But what, what they're flashing back and forth from one screen to the next. And it's mom with kid or daughter or son. And then it flashes to the next screen, dad with father or with, with daughter or son, whichever combination it was. Basically, mom with kid, dad with kid. All right? And each one of them, they're doing something a little risky or a little something that the other, the other parent isn't going to like. And, and the end was, hey, uh, don't tell dad. And then, what? And then it flips over to the next one. Hey, uh, don't tell mom. Whoa, look at this thing we're doing your mom would hate. And I know that you might be saying, come on, Brian, that's petty. It's just, just, it's just marketing. That's my point. We're marketing that lying is funny. Lying's funny. And in movies and TV shows, when girlfriends and boyfriends and best friends and people are doing things, the best storylines are when there's this deception. We've created a level of, of emotional impact with lying to one another. And we've created a, a society that's okay with it, or at least so super forgiving, it drives me crazy. It drives me crazy. And that wasn't necessarily the direction I was going to go there. But um, so this is this case where Ted Cruz, I don't think he is lying. I actually think he's not wrong, but... I'll go ahead and play it right now. One of the worst aspects of what Congress has done so far is the plus up in unemployment compensation. We are paying a whole lot of people a lot more money to stay home and not work than they made on their jobs. And, and, and that is terrible for those workers. It's terrible for the economy. And every time, everyone in this body who votes for paying people more money to stay home and not work than to go to work, they ought to write on the top of that paid for by the Joe Biden for president campaign because there are a lot of Democratic politicians all over the country who they understand if the country shut down, if 40 million people are out of work, their guy probably wins. And so they want the economy completely shut down. We want people back at work. We want people providing for their kids. And, you know, an interesting thing, if it if it ends up that Biden wins in November, I hope he doesn't. I don't think he will. But if he does. I guarantee you the week after the election, suddenly all those Democratic governors, all those Democratic mayors will say, everything's magically better. Go back to work, go back to school. Suddenly the problems are solved. You won't even have to wait for Biden to be sworn in. All they'll need is election day. And suddenly their willingness to just destroy people's lives and livelihoods, they will have accomplished their task. That's wrong. It's cynical. And, 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 and we shouldn't be a part of it. He's not wrong there are a few buts in there but generally speaking overall he is not wrong i think this situation has become completely politicized to the point that is making me sick but one of the buts could be that maybe this is an indictment on the middle to lower class and the uh the the wealth inequality that is there that is a real thing that i am very concerned about maybe that six hundred dollars and that being a somehow a large amount of money in much of anybody's eyes is less of an indictment on how much we're giving for unemployment and more of an indictment on the poor, middle and working class of this country. I don't have a greater point overall, but that's one of the buts. Another one of the buts is Joe Biden is not a socialist, never has run on any of those kinds of platforms. They're just lumping them in with the Bernie bros. 
He's not. He's a moderate Democrat. Moderate Democrats have been running this country off and on for however long stretch back you want to do the history. And jobs didn't go away and people didn't get poor. Rich people didn't all of a sudden get poor. But there are more Democrats if everybody who would vote would actually vote. A Republican would never have a seat again and all the rich people would still be rich and all the middle class and poor. Maybe they're not quite as poor. I don't know. I'm not an economist. I can't I can't speak to that. But the policies and the ideology on that side from a moderate level, it's where I've been. It's where I am. It's where I always will be. But yeah, so Ted Cruz isn't wrong, but that was just a quick jab as just because he could get away with it. But all these asshole Ted Cruz types, Mitch McConnell types that are very, very wealthy and don't truly understand what their constituents are all about because their constituents themselves don't know, even know what they're all about. No, They don't understand to the level of the economy taking an absolute hit when all this stimulus runs out. And major airlines and major corporations are getting huge bailouts, but poor people in this country don't deserve it. It's another go-round of that. It's another one of these kinds of arguments we have. Well, billions over here to prop up people who are probably donating to super PACs and everything else. But if you make $600 a week in, uh, or whatever the numbers are in unemployment, then that's wrong. And while it, it certainly probably needs to be reformed and done differently and everything needs to be reformed, every single thing we put into motion in this country needs to be reformed damn near the minute it gets going. But if you start drying up money for people who haven't worked in months and not specifically just because they don't want to or paid not to, boy, we're going to be having Back to the Future 2 alternate reality really, really fast where Biff Tannen runs the damn city in this casino hotel over there while the rest of the place rots to the ground. That's a very real possibility in some communities. And people need this money as we get through this year. Sorry, this is just the Bernie Sanders in me starting to talk out, talk come out a little bit here, and I won't do it for long because I'm not a Bernie bro, as you know. But there's some people that are hurting, the people who can't get to work right now, can't work because there isn't hardly any in a lot of these areas. Musicians, uh, venues, uh, clubs, bars, they're not functioning, and they are a huge portion of, of, the, of the workers in this class of America. And... To his point, though, if there were to be a transfer of power uh, at the beginning of next year, an election result that Ted Cruz would hate, I do think quickly a lot of things would, that are major issues now would start to just not be all so much. That's conjecture on both his and my part. I agree with him on that. But it isn't much different than other political footballs like, oh, we're not going to let you nominate a Supreme Court justice until we can maybe see if we win an election. Same kind of damn thing. It's politics. It's dirty, and they're all scumbags. And so are most of the constituents. That is all I got for this week. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. Leave a review if you get a chance. If uh, you find one of those areas to do it, I would appreciate it. If not, that is totally cool as well. Y'all have a great week. It seemed like July was long. It has been long. There was five Wednesdays. So we'll wrap up the worst July ever and start the worst August ever next week. Y'all have a good one. See you later. Bye.